The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Now, Dr. Eleanor Galvin, our resident GP, is with us. If you have any medical queries, you can text them in to 53106. If there's something that you don't like the look of or feel of, if there's something that's there that didn't used to be, or if there's something that's there that isn't working the way it used to, you can fire us in a question to that uh, number on 53106, or you can WhatsApp us 087. 1400 106. Eleanor, are you getting busy as winter approaches? Yeah, we are. We are definitely getting busy and there seems to be more people ringing in about COVID and COVID worries. Really? Is COVID making a bit of a comeback? I think a little bit. Hopefully none of them are too sick. Uh, Presumably it is a significantly more weakened variant of the disease and there's enough vaccination running around that we're not looking at a return to where we once were. And this is not people's first time out with COVID either. It's probably their... Second and third. Well, funny, we got a text saying, um, health question, I'm getting over COVID. I'm seven days since testing positive, symptoms mostly gone, but feeling very depressed. Eating very healthy food and going out for walks, but I feel like I can't pull myself out of this depression. This happened to me before, after COVID. Why is this virus affecting my mood so negatively? Yeah, you see, we don't know enough to know why it does this to people, but some people it just floors. Um, They can get very tired for quite a while afterwards and they really need to probably... Um, a visit somewhere, a little check out, see is there anything still brewing, if their bloods are normal, if their irons are good, if their thyroid is normal, that there's nothing else underlying it. And then they might need some support or they might need to go to a COVID clinic eventually. Is that a common thing with physical ailments of, of any kind, that if somebody gets something that kind of knocks them for six, it can have a mental health impact as well as a physical And it can health. also take you time to get back on your feet and back to your normal routine. A text asking, is physio or surgery best for a broken shoulder? Are there dangers with this surgery? I had to go to a, a what, do you, what do you call the lads who work with bones? Or, orthopods? Orthopedic surgeon. Orthopedic yeah. surgeon, that fella. So I had to go to one of them over a, an arm injury a while ago. And I sort of walked in and said, more or less, right, yeah. when can we put in the calendar the day that you yeah. open me up and get yeah. this thing fixed? And he said, what really surprised me for a surgeon, he said, look, the last thing that I want yes. to do is operate well, on he's you. a good surgeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want somebody who says, yeah, let's give you two new knees. They're better than the last ones you had. You want to wait till you really need them. You would have thought if you're in the surgery business, that's kind of what you want to do. Yeah, I think they're all busy enough not to have to do that. Um, And there's nothing better than a good physio. Uh, If it's something that you can do physio for first and then surgery. But if you have a fractured shoulder, it depends where your fracture is. Sometimes you have to get surgery and sometimes, no, it's a sling and exercises. Um, So it really very much depends on you're not quite often given that choice of surgery or physio if you have a fracture in a bone. Um, How good are people at keeping up with physio? Because you often see a a failure to simply take medication on a regular enough basis. I assume something that takes a bit of effort and possibly some pain, people drop out. Oh, I'm sure physios tell people to do twice as much as they should do in the hope they'll do half of it. Um, But people underestimate how good physios are. Physios are amazing. What they can do for people is amazing. Um, Especially older people getting them back walking and people who've had chronic pain. A physio should be people's first port of call for a lot of things. And they're extremely well educated. Text saying, should I be thinking about calling my GP or pharmacy about my flu jab? I'm 67. What are the things as we as we come into the the autumn that people should be thinking of in terms of um, prophylactic medicine into the winter months? And what are the things that people when they are that age should do to look after themselves that you see patients not do? Okay, well, everyone should have a flu jab and there's no need to ring to book it in. The HSE will be all over the newspapers and all over the radio uh, ads saying 
It's now flu time and flu time might well this year be combined with COVID booster time. I don't know exactly what they, but the correct mix of flu jab will come and everybody should have it. But certainly somebody of 67 should have it. Nobody likes to be sick and flu is a nasty bug. And whether or not this year's flu is worse than last year's, who knows, but you should get a flu jab. Uh, And also at 67, what people sometimes do is they don't go and have things checked if everything's working. Same as you'd service a car. And once a year, you can't really see under the bonnet. So you bring in your car, you get it serviced and then it goes grand for another while. And the same with the person. Um, they should maybe have yearly bloods, have their blood pressure checked, have someone have a listen to their heart and um, make sure their heart rate is normal. Maybe an ECG. Those sort of things should be done on a regular basis as if you're a car. And then if there's something wrong, you can get it fixed faster. And is that you do that with GP? Yeah. A text asking related to that. What are the most common blood screening tests? What do when you get a blood test? What do they look for? Well, kind of we tick different boxes on a form. So we do full blood count really generally for everyone that checks red and white blood cells. Are you anemic? Are you have you a problem with your Im- immune system? It'll tell if you've had a recent cold or flu. It'll tell if your white cells are down and maybe you're a bit immunosuppressed. Um, and that's kind of the big ones. Um, and then the thing called UNE, which is basically kidney liver function. Um, urea electrolytes and that kind of tells you how your insides are working your kidney your liver um, when you've enough calcium not too much calcium then a thyroid function because thyroid issues are very common in Ireland um, and after that cholesterol and the diabetes test they would be kind of the main ones On the topic of diabetes an, an interesting um, correlation here that I'd never seen before can you ask the doctor if you have a problem with the gallbladder and don't get it removed can you get diabetes from it what are the signs of diabetes apart from thirst and tiredness? Is there a connection between gallbladder and diabetes? Well, there could be if a stone left your gallbladder and, you know, travelled down a common bile duct and men went across your duodenum to your pancreas. I Good know. Lord. But I would think it's a bit, <laughs> bit kind of tenuous. Um, but big thing is like thirsty, peeing more and tiredness. Also losing weight. Um, when you're a diabetic first, you can quite often lose weight and think, isn't this marvellous? I've just dropped 10 pounds. And then it's like, oh God, and I also drank four litres of water this morning. On the topic of diabetes, the medicines for diabetes that are now being given as well for people with obesity, are you having people arrive in asking for them? Oh God, absolutely. Hugely successful. Um, and there's a huge debate over whether or not we should be giving them, first of all, people who are diabetic. There's plenty of things um, that are prescribable for diabetic people as well as the big one name, one that everyone wants. And there are other just as good alternatives. Uh, and people are losing an awful lot of weight very successfully. And I think it hugely impacts on people's self-esteem. Uh, and I think something, nothing breeds success like success. So they lose a bit of weight. They're back. Even people who I've had who've not been great on their legs because they're that heavy. Now out walking, now out doing exercise. So then all be kind of comes it's a huge a, positive It's a change. fascinating thing the way though that it gets perceived that there's a sense that if you are prescribed this a medicine for being diabetic it's sort of okay and but righteous it, but if it's no, obesity I, no I, I it's somehow wrong. I don't think that's wrong. fair. I don't think that's fair. Um, and there are plenty of medicine for people that are diabetic that are pro-weight loss and there is plenty of uh, medication for people as long as everyone doesn't want the same brand. And of course, the, the obesity as a contributor to mortality and morbidity. I mean, and, it's a hugely you significant know, maybe issue. Maybe it's good to be getting it before it gets gets further. Um, and I, I do think it's going to be totally and utterly changed as more drugs come online, that obesity is not going to become such a problem. And it is a problem for people in their daily lives. Then it is a good idea to come and to get something. 
Quick one before I let you go. Um, I'm on Losartum Potassium, 50 milligram half tablet daily for blood pressure. The tablet is very small. So am I okay taking a whole tablet every other day? No, you're not. No, you're not, because it's meant to be every day. And you can actually ask your pharmacy to split them if they're very small. And quite often your pharmacist will have a tablet splitter. Do they? Yeah. Um, and they'll split your tablets for you. Do you often get patients doing that kind of thing, saying, well, I'm meant to be on it, you know, three times a day. Well, I'll actually just take them all in the morning. And do people get creative with their medicine regimens? Oh, I'm sure they do. But I'm sure I'm probably not the person they're going to tell that to. <laughs> Sometimes they'll come out. And I take it the general principle is... Do as you're told. Take it the way it's meant yeah, to be. Absolutely. Read the bottle, do what the bottle yeah, says. Yeah. So every second day that person will have low blood pressure and then the other day under-treated blood pressure. Um, one final one I lied. Um, what's the difference in uh, between an inhaler and a nebulizer in asthma treatment? Um, an inhaler is something that you can carry around with you and it's a small handy thing you can put in your pocket. A nebulizer, it's a mask that goes on somebody's face. So if it's a child and, it, and doesn't have much coordination for puffing and inhaling at the same time, a nebulizer works very well. And I assume nebulizer is not used as a rescue function the way some inhalers are. Um, it, it shouldn't be. And sometimes there can be an over-reliance and not going to seek help fast enough if you have a nebulizer at home that you kind of think, oh, we're doing OK. Uh, but sometimes you mightn't be. Eleanor, as always, thank you very much. And if you want to get um, Eleanor on social media, she is at familydoctors.ie. Uh, yeah, familydoctors.ie. Familydoctors.ie um, is where you'll find her. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.